Yo, holding it down, that's how we do, echo chamber right in your ear motherfuckers, what? Okay, so we're gonna hit you with the UK top 10 box office for the weekend of the 17th to the 19th of May, that's right people, boom, at number 10, the curse of La Lorena. At number nine, Tolkien. At number eight, it's Amazing Grace. At number seven, Dumbo. At number six, Long Shot. Great film. At number five, Poor Patrol, Mighty Pups. At number four, The Hustle. Just raking in the change. At number three, Avengers Endgame. At number two, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. And at number one, it's only John Wick, people. Chapter three, Panabellum. What? Okay, so this week we've got a couple of reviews for you. Um, yeah, so you know what? Let's get right into that shit. Hey people, I had the luck to be able to go to a preview screening of the new Aladdin film. Um, so, this is, it's directed by uh, Guy Ritchie. Ritchie also um, co-wrote it with John August. And the film is starring Naomi Scott as Jasmine Will Smith as the genie, Billy Mang Magnuson as Prince Anders, Mina Masood as Aladdin, Adam Turak as Iago, um, and Nazim Pedrad as Dahlia. Oh, and um, Marwan. Ken Zari as Jafar. Oh, and um, I should probably should say Navid Negaban as the Sultan. Now, if you don't know, the story is this. Aladdin, a young street urchin whose only friend is his kleptomanic pet monkey. Oh, kleptomaniac. Ah, yes, kleptomaniac pet monkey Abu falls in love with Jasmine, the princess of Agrabah, who is set to marry a prince by her sultan father. When he and Abu find a magic lamp containing a genie, however, they must protect it from the wicked vizier Jafar and his loyal parrot Iago who both want to rule Agrabah with the genie's wishes and spellbinding powers. So, um, yeah, it, it's like, um, 
I think Cinderella was the first one. But yeah, Disney have started to, um, over the last few years, make these live um, live action remakes of uh, some of their c- classic cartoons. Now, if you think about it, the original Aladdin, that came out in 1992. So, oh, you know, it was over 20 years ago, man, which is crazy. It's a long time ago. And, you know, that cartoon was based upon um, the uh, Arabian Tales, which is just a classic story. I love that story. Um, So, yeah, it's, you know, it's been told so many times that I believe that one of the storyteller episode was Aladdin um so yeah it's a classic story um so it you know I was very interested to see what the um you know this film version would be like uh now the effects were good the effects were really good but there were a few that weren't as good, you know, which was surprising, you know, I have to say, I, I felt that, like, the flying carpet, when they were in the flying carpet, it just looked a bit fake, I mean, look, I understand that that statement is a bit weird, because I'm talking about flying carpet here, but, you know, when you think about the, the, the special effects in um, The Lord of the Rings, you know, how good they were, but then, now we've seen Infinity Wars and Endgame, and those special effects are insane, so we can do that now, you know, we we can have these great effects that you kind of feel are real, so, I, I, you know, I'd have, I'd have thought that the, um, you know, the flying carpet would have been better, there's also um, a, a scene in a treasure trove, and that looked a bit, as I say, it didn't look as impressive as it probably should have, you know, because, hey, again, I go back to Lord of the Rings, but no, so this would be the Hobbit, so when you have um, the scenes of um, Bilbo in uh, Smog's um you know, treasure trove, how crazy that is, you kind of think, ah, that's what it should, that's what this should have been like, it should have been as impressive as that, there's also a lava scene that, again, it just, just didn't seem to cut the mustard, which is a real shame, but I did, I really liked the way the film started, you know, I thought that was, a great way to get into this story, you know, and, like, it tied, you know, they, you know, Richie found a way to tie that intro back into the film, which, you know, I thought was, hey, it was a clever way of doing it, you know, so that was nice, I liked that, and I have to say, I look, I'll admit, when I went into this, 
I was a bit worried about Will Smith as a genie because I think a lot of times in some films, Will Smith is just Will Smith, essentially. He, it's like, you know, to say he doesn't act, that's unfair. But I feel he he kind of fell into a rut of like, oh, this works. This works as kind of funny, you know, donkey, like you know, a bit like Johnny Depp as um, Jack Sparrow. So I think Will Smith had fallen into that trap with some of his films. So I was a bit like, oh, is this going to be the same? And when you see him as the genie, there at the at the very beginning there is that oh is it gonna is it gonna uh, but then it doesn't and so yeah I I thought I thought Will did a good job I thought he was like really decent as a genie so that made me happy and I'm really pleased really pleased that they cast actors that you feel look like they would live in that region that made me happy because I'm, I'm I get very tired about watching you know films set in uh, like Asia and you know the desert and, and, and things like this and you look at it and you're like why are they lily white <laughs> you know what I mean uh, how would that work being in this place that's crazy hot always sunny it's a desert how would that work so I was really happy with the way they cast this film you know it it was really good um unfortunately (laughs) you know I'm gonna say it I'm gonna say it I felt that Smith and um you know, Masood weren't the best of singers. Weren't the best of singers. Now, Jasmine, her cadence on the song, you know, her range was decent. You know, don't get me wrong. She's not going to be reaching number one or anything, but she held up. You know, she, her songs weren't. Smith and um Masuds, they just it was very flat their songs were very flat i just didn't feel anything with those songs now another thing that i was a bit uh you know it just didn't seem to work for me and you may be feeling i'm being a bit pedantic here but aladdin is a street urchin right So, you would think his diction should be different from Jasmine's. You know what I mean? He shouldn't um, have the same kind of inflections as her. He probably should be, uh, you know, his speech should be a bit rougher. Probably some street slang thrown in there. But that wasn't the case. So it was a bit like, oh, that kind of, it just didn't sit with me, you know? Because it's like he's meant to be putting on this performance 
as um, as the prince. But if you sound like that anyway, it, it, it doesn't ring as true, I felt. You know? Um, Nazim's performance as Dahlia, I like that. That, you know, it was cute. It worked. It was very playful. Yeah, I, I really liked her performance. Um, and, you know, as a, on a whole, like, the performances were good. You know, they, they, everyone's, everyone was decent, it was fun, it worked, I just didn't think it had the magic of the cartoon, you know, that was the big thing about those classic Disney cartoons, that they had this magic, that just kind of brought you in, it, you know, and you just felt so enamoured with it, you know, it was this fairy tale that you were watching and it was great the film doesn't have that what well, for me it didn't have that now don't get me wrong like look there's a lot of people in the screening who were laughing cheering so um you know i would say this film i'm just not the audience for it but you know these uh, you know, these were just my thoughts on the things that were happening, you know. Um, like, I, the song seemed very on the nose, you know. And they just didn't seem, like, they just didn't seem magical. They didn't seem to connect with me. I didn't leave the screen humming any of the songs, you know. And I'm a, I can hum, you know what I mean? I can hum a mean-ass tune, so, yeah, wasn't humming any of the songs, they were very on the nose as well, you know, it'd be like, um, you know, Aladdin talking with Jasmine, being like, oh, I wish I had a, my favourite sandwich that I could give you right now, but I don't, then it'd be like, they'd look, he'd look into her eyes and be like, oh, Jasmine, I wish I could give you a sandwich right now. I wish I could give you a sandwich right now. Something with flavor on sourdough bread. Maybe some chicken, a flavor for you. But I don't have a sandwich for you. Uh, I don't have a sandwich for you. So yeah, that was the songs. It, it was just so literal. And I'd be like, they're not fun. Like, where's the fun? Give me the fun, man. So that, yeah. Yeah. That disappointed me, people. Have to say, that disappointed me. Which is a shame, you know. Uh, again, I don't want to be all, you know, doom and gloom about it and uh, all of that. But, yeah, these are just some of the things that just kind of stuck with me. You know what I mean? But, as I said, look, there's there is a lot of 
redeeming element of the film. Um, like you know, Iago the bird. That the bird was good. You know, Alan Turak. He did a good job of that. Like I again, I, I like Will Smith. Will Smith was one of the best things of this film. Gonna say it, and yeah, didn't think I would be saying that, but that was a true. One thing I'm curious about because they did make a change to the film. You know what I mean? Uh so they try. You know, it, it, it's it was a it was a change about Jasmine, and you know you can see I can understand why they did it. It you know it, it's female empowerment and it's all of this. You know it's like yeah, women can do anything that a man can do. There shouldn't be barriers. You know what I mean? Let's break down the barriers. Hey, I'm cool with that. But if you're going to make that change, right? You're going to make that change. How about, you know what I mean? Putting something about love in there. Because they've got, you know, Jasmine and Aladdin falling in love. Even though Aladdin's lied to her. So they've got him telling all these lies that weren't needed. But it's still at the end they marry. And that's not a spoiler because I feel everyone knows his story. So they have this. You know, they have that. And you could have had it, instead of ending with them getting married, be like, listen, I really like you. So I want to see where this goes. You know, obviously we had a, a tricky start. I, I told some lies. I feel ashamed for doing that. I wish I didn't. But, hey, let me take you out. Let me show you I'm the man who will treat you the way you should be treated. And she can be like, oh, Aladdin. Oh, that sounds really good. I appreciate you respecting me like that and treating me not just like a woman, but like a human. That's great, Aladdin. Thank you. Now, yeah, I'll organize the first date because I'm an independent woman. What? That would have been great because it's not just like this foolish conception of, you know, ridiculous love at first sight because it's not really love at first sight. It's just love at a perception. So it would have been good if they had thought about changing that message, putting a more positive spin on that and taking away this Hollywood construct of love. Unfortunately, they didn't. It's a shame. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's the film, people. Look, it, look I think kids are going to love it. I think if you have enjoyed all of these these recent um, remakes, live um, live action adaptations of these animated gems, if you have liked these, you know Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, we've just had Dumbo. I feel there's been others, but I can't think of them right now. But yeah, if you've enjoyed these films then i think you will enjoy aladdin as well you know um 
it's 128 minutes, so just over two hours. Uh, yeah, I, I think kids are going to love it. I think they're going to, you know, they're going to find it funny. It's not too dark. So, um, yeah, you'll be you'll be cool on that front. Um, I do believe it's a, uh, yeah, I believe it's a PG. So, um, you know, it's definitely a family film. So, hey, I pointed out just the things that just didn't sit with me. But as you know from these reviews, I'm a pedantic, weird person. So, yeah, look, if you enjoy family fun, I've, I think probably you will enjoy Aladdin. So, yeah. Check it out, it's in cinemas this week. All right. Okay, people, so this evening um, I went to see uh, a, a screening of the new Lionsgate documentary, Chasing Perfect, which is a retrospective of car designer Frank Stevenson. It's directed by Helena Cohn, um, written by her as well, uh, well, the parts that, you know, would be written, um, and yeah, it's just kind of following Frank's career, uh, there's an interest, you know, I mean, we catch up with, like, some of his old friends, um, work colleagues, you know, see him giving a talk at his old college, and um, oh, he does. It looks like he's do, he does an episode of Jay Leno's Garage, which I've heard people talk about it, but I don't think it does it justice. When you see Leno's Garage and just part of the garage as well, it is in insane it's 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 like a frigging warehouse it's not a garage it's like i when you when you hear garage you think of you know what i mean there's a certain thing that you think of this place is crazy but um you know uh look i'm not into cars you know i've i've never they've just never interested me now like if i've see if i see a nice car i can kind of see oh that's a nice car but that you know to a point right i'm not gonna be oh look at the spoiler on that or oh man you can hear the purrs of the engine i'm not on that level i just be like oh that looks cool what colour is it? You know, what I mean? when, when people tell me they I just got a new car, I'm just my question is, it's not like how many miles per hour, you know what I mean? Any of that. I'm just like, what colour is it? <laughs> so you know, I, I mean a documentary about a car designer, I wouldn't think it was my gonna be my kind of thing, you know? But this documentary was so fascinating it was it was really interesting because we're seeing him like 
talk about ain't the way he relates design to modern modern life and the way he sees things and his interests and what drives him and I think that's the that's the kind of interesting thing to me you know there's like I speak to some of my designer friends and like some of these things it's the same motivation like I've got a friend and she is ridiculously talented and she makes these sculptures with light in and every sculpture is so different and when I talk to her she's just like yo you know what I mean I just I don't know what I'm gonna make I just let it come to me and if I see something you know that can influence it and and this seemed to be kind of what Frank kind of his motivation sometimes like a lot of his work is animal based which I don't know I would never have guessed you know like he was on holiday in the Caribbean and he saw a sailfish and he was so kind of captivated by this fish and its design that he went got his own one got it stuffed and got it sent back to England so he can kind of look at it and it you know it could help him with design of this new car which is so interesting you know I I think that says a lot and he's currently designing a plane you know like um Hmm. I think he, they were describing it as an EVO. Um, like they can, it's not a plane, plane. Like they can take off from a, from a like a Harrier jump jet, but like straight up. It goes straight up. No, no runway business. You know, kind of like a helicopter, but slicker. And and this is kind of, I think you know the hope it is that this will be a new mode of transport, you know, and I I think he's kind of describing it like it could be cleaner than, you know, normal cars and shit, which is fascinating, but why I bring it up is because he got the design from a hammerhead friggin' shark, because of the aerodynamics of the shark, so all the time he's looking at these animals and going, oh, right, that animal is really fast because of this. And then he looks at them and he can see, oh, so the animal has these things that help with speed in this way, you know, or they help keep it grounded this way, which is fascinating. Like, it's a, such an interesting way to kind of conceive a design for a car and how a car could gain better traction or you know and go faster and that kind of stuff you know I think like at the very beginning he says that um, design for him is perfection and every time he finishes something it's never quite perfection but it's that that drives him forward to create new things it was like at the at the age of 10 
he saw, a, a, I think it was a Jaguar E-Type. And he said that he was so drawn to it. That he was standing there for ages. And in the end, his dad had to drag him away. And he got so upset because he wanted a look at this car. And it's just perfection for longer. And it's like the curiosity in him is what, you know, another thing that kind of drives him to create these different cars, different styles of cars, for looking for new ways for the car to go faster or to kind of fit, you know, the parameters of what is needed, which is so interesting. You know, like he's 30 years in the industry and he's still got the curiosity to try new things, which you kind of think, man, if I could be in a job for 30 years and still have that same drive, that that's all you could wish for. You know, I he was talking that um, he prefers to. Yeah, if it's down to him, he'd prefer to design smaller, fun cars rather than the the hyper speed cars. But you know, the hyper speed things are like you know what what's kind of made his career, and he's and he has he, you know he enjoys it. But like the small, I think it's like creating space. Within this small confines that kind of fascinates him, and so when he got the gig to design to to redesign the mini, ah, he was over the moon, and it was his approach to it was fascinating because they were like, you know, give us just give us your interpretation of what a mini is, but what he did, he went down, he went to. 1969 so the mini came out in 59 so he went to 69 and was like okay what would the design have gone to 10 years later then he did an update it's for 79 then an update for 89 and then we get to 99 which would be the new version that was launched in 2000 which is such a fascinating approach rather than just be like bum 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 here's a design that he was just like okay so if i was just tweaking the current design what would i have done it's 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 just kind of genius it, it, you know it's man like every time he was saying these things it was just this is so interesting you know, he said something um, during the documentary. I think it was bringing forward innovation, not just create a pretty picture. And I think that, see, that's the thing. I think that's that's what you try and do. I know within my career, instead of like, oh, I'm going to create a flashy website or, you know, I just want this really slick campaign. It's just like, I want something that's going to innovate and evolve what's been before. 
You know, I don't want to just churn out a same old idea and just use a different color. You know what I mean? Like, look, it's pretty now. It's unicorn colors. You know? And so I, I thought the fact that he's saying that, because, you know, a lot of cars... I know, like, the way sometimes people talk about them, it's just like, oh, they're so pretty, you know, I mean, they don't say pretty, but you know what I mean, they, they, it's the, essentially the same words, so the fact that he's um, creating this thing that's not that, that's, like, big, it's interesting, you know, like, you want to push yourself to that extent, we got an insight into his career as well. Like, um, you know, like, he first started off in motocross. He was a motocross driver for for five years, I believe. And he was good. He was, like, one of the top 30 in the country. I think it was something like that. But um, he wasn't the best, you know. So he's not winning races. So his dad was just like, yo, you got to stop. And he's like, oh, but I'm good. And he's like, yeah, but you're not the best. Which he now realizes, like, I think his dad was trying to help him, you know. And so from there, he thought, oh, I can draw cars. I'll, I'll go to college. I'll do, I'll do that. I'll do that. So he went to college. And his parents had a nice house. They had to sell the house to help him in college. So... When he got an offer from Ford, he was like, "Okay, I'll um, I'll take it," because they offered to pay if he went to work for them, they'd pay for his last two years in college. And I have to admit, yeah, I'd probably take that too. But it was like he's saying when I was working at Ford, it was just kind of, it was easy work. And it wasn't that challenging. So he needed a new challenge. And so from, um, you know, he worked on the, I think it was the Escort Cosworth. And he was just like, you know, it was all right. But it, it just didn't push him. So he went to BMW and he... um. Uh, like BMW just bought Land Rover. So you had to design a new Land Rover. On a plane. On a plane. So they could knock a design of the car out. Within uh, three months. Which is crazy. And so then we're hearing these stories. Like you know as I said with the Mini. Like, he went to Ferrari. Like, he he then, you know, did some work with Fiat, who owned Ferrari, which I did not know. Um, I didn't know Fiat was, like, a brand either. So he's just like, yo, why would I want to go to Fiat? Fiat's rubber. And I was like, is it? Like, I, you know, it was another thing that kind of really emphasized, I know nothing about cars but yeah then how he went to mclaren and the work he was doing there and then within this he's giving us like information about his family you know his dad his mum, his brother 
how he met his wife, you know, the countries he's lived in, and just how it all kind of fit in within the designs that he's doing, and how it helped drive him, and what's kept motivating him. People, it is a really interesting documentary, and yeah, I wouldn't, I, you know, I wouldn't have guessed that I would have enjoyed it as much as I did. I'd probably say, if you enjoyed, probably Senna, if you enjoyed, like there was the Isle of Wight motocross documentary that came out a few years ago. I'd probably go, if you enjoyed those, you know, you would probably love this. If you just like documentaries, you will love it. Because it's, it's just fascinating. It's fascinating. So, um, it's called Chasing Perfect. It's directed by Helena Cohn. And as I said, people, it's a retrospective of Frank Stevenson, who is a legend in the car business oh he's done normal cars he's done formula one like yeah he's the man and this documentary will you know give you an insight into the person so um yeah it's, it's going to be available on all those digital platforms so you know Amazon, Google, Spotify, like Apple, wherever you get movies, you will find it there. So um, definitely check it out. Well, people, it's the end. Well, nearly the end of another episode. Um, hope you enjoyed the reviews. You know what I mean? I I definitely say check out Chasing Perfect um, if you get the opportunity because it, it's a fascinating um, documentary. All right, so little film news before we bounce, um, as Netflix do. You know what I mean? Just something appears out of the blue. Well, the Lonely Island guys have dropped a new half hour special um it's called the lonely island presents the unauthorized bash brothers experience um and like uh, it's andy sandberg and akiva schaefer um portraying former oakland athletics teammates um yeah who were uh you know known as the um as the bash brothers so um jose cancesco and mark maguire um yeah it, it, it's like Portrayed as a kind of parody of Beyonce's Lemonade. Uh, there's um, 10 songs. And it's also got um, guest appearances from Maya Rudolph. Oh, who is so lovely. 
Hannah Simone, Stephanie Beatriz, Jenny Slate, Jim O'Hare, and Sterling K. Brown. So, uh, yeah, if you're a baseball fan, if you're an Oakland Athletics fan, this could well be, you know what I mean? A little treat for you people. So it seems that um, the Black Mirror film, Broad um, Bandowitch, uh, was a success because the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which everyone thought had ended with its fourth season, well, no. Tina Fey is making a interactive film of the series. Uh, so yeah, you'll be able to um, make choices for characters. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, sounds like it could be crazy. Um, there's no, um, you know, there's no story outline or anything like that, but. It supposedly should be hitting Netflix sometime next year. Uh, next up, well, hmm, it seems that um, you know what I mean. Like you thought it was dead, but no, <laughs> Lionsgate and um, Twisted Pictures. Are gonna be bringing back the Saw franchise, but but this is from a story idea from Chris Rock. That's right, people. Chris Goddamn Rock, the comedian, the joke meister himself. Yeah. So um, the chairman of Lionsgate. Um, recently just put out a statement um, <clears throat> and, and so he says like when Chris Rock came to us and described in chilling detail his fantastic vision that reimagines and spins off the world of the notorious jigsaw killer we were all in this upcoming film will still be as mind-bending and um, and intense as the previous Saw films. Chris conceived this idea and it will be completely reverential to the legacy of the material while re in reinv gosh um, I can't read all of a sudden um, oh yeah re invigorating the brand with his wit, creative vision and passion for this classic horror franchise. Woo, I got through it. A result. Okay, so um, Mark Berg and Orin Kules will produce and saw to Helmer Darren Lynn Boozman will direct Pete Goldfinger and Josh Stolberg, who penned Jigsaw, are writing the script. 
base on the story from Chris Rock and Rockwell executive produce alongside Daniel Hefner, James Wan and Lee Wanow. Um, and it's believed that this should be released on the 23rd of October 2020. Hmm. Right, so a little while ago, Michelle Rodriguez said that she's probably going to leave the Fast and the Furious franchise because the female characters just have nothing to say. They're, they're not really pivotal to the story. They're not, they don't have huge parts. And she challenged Vin Diesel to prove her wrong. Well, while um, talking at an event in London, uh, Michelle announced that she's just signed on for the ninth installment. And that part of the deal is that a, um, a female writer joins the writing team for the film. Um, no word on who the writer is, but um, yeah, like it, you know, what I mean, that it, it, it's probably got potential, right? So that's a nice little move from Rodriguez. I got a little bit of comic news for you. Paramount Pictures have just um, signed a deal with Stephen Paul, who has acquired a majority interest in the literary library for Atlas Comics. Now, if people um, might remember, Atlas Comics in the 60s was the original name for uh, Marvel Comics. Um, but a few years later, the Atlas brand relaunched as a separate entity. So it looks like, you know what I mean, Paramount won in on that comic book, Cha-Ching. Um, so the idea is that um, Akira Goldsman is going to head up a writer's room and they are going to um, work on 10 ideas and then take one of those forward, develop it into a film and then every year after they will be releasing another film from the universe. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, because some of these, like, some of these aren't great comics, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're basically rip-offs of, like, you know, shit that's already out there, like Superman and X-Men and Avengers, Captain America, you know, but, um, I don't know, we'll see what happens with it, right? It could be good if developed in the uh yeah in the right way you know finally people um you know there's been all the upheaval with matt reeves the batman film well it looks like finally they have found their new batman and it's kind of fitting 
So, word is Robert Pattinson has signed up to play Bruce Wayne and Batman. And um, if you think about it, it works because Pattinson was Edward in the Twilight films. In those films, he's a vampire. Vampires are related with bats. Batman is kind of born from the bats. So, boom. Full circle, motherfuckers. What? Um, word is Nicholas Holt was up for the role as well. I don't think that would have worked. I don't see, like, I don't, he might be able to pull off a young Bruce Wayne, but not Batman, man. I don't think that would have worked. But, um, yeah, uh, it looks like the film is set to be released in June 2021. Um, but that's it. No other, um, no other details, no story, but. Yeah, they're, go, they're probably going to go into production later this year. So, um, yeah, could be could be interesting. We'll wait and see. Let's just admit, Brit, Brit, Ben Affleck wasn't great. So, you know, the only way is up, as uh, Yaz once said. All right, people. Um, so, this has been a normal edition of Echo Chamber. Now, all things have been sorted out. So, the rest of the Sci-Fi London material will be launched over the coming days. So, keep an eye out for them. Alright, and we're going to be back, you know, as we do on Thursday next week. So, people, take it easy. Enjoy all the films that are currently out. And, uh, yeah, see you next week. All right, peace.